Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Out of paper, out of stock There's friendly faces around the block Break loose from the chains That are causing you pain Call Michael and Stanley Jim Dwight Creed Call Andy and Kelly For your business paper needs Or Dundermiff Then the people versus paper people Dundermiff Then the people versus paper people Dundermiff Then the people versus paper people Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and safety instructor, Sean Roney. And I'm Edwin Jaynes, foreman. And with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. So dig this. You're on the street, and one of your gang disses you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. So what do you do to get them to make it right? We'll see. Um, in the gang world, we use something called fluffy fingers. <laughs> That's where somebody really gets in your face. You know, you just start tickling them. Really? Yeah. And he starts tickling you. It's a long one. You know, pretty soon you laughing and hugging. Before you know it, you've forgotten the whole thing. Y'all can just go to church together and get ice cream cone. <laughs> Uh, every week we get together and talk about our favorite shows, NBC's The Office. This week, The Warehouse. Um, I'm I'm super excited about this one. We've kind of been doing different uh, geographical uh, uh, um, parts of The Office. We've talked about the annex and uh, and and things like that. And now we're t- today we're talking Shroot about Farms. The Warehouse. I'm excited. Yes, yeah, Shroot of, Farms. My, that's right. Yeah, got my Shroot Farms T-shirt on today. Mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. today in our continuing location series, The Warehouse, which we've had a few different people uh, write in and ask us to talk about The Warehouse. So here we are. I'm excited. And uh, late. Oh. Oh, it's always fun to talk about The Office by location, <laughs> to kind of carve up the show in different ways. Uh, it just gives you a different angle on everything. Later in the show, we're going to have some trivia that was sent in by a listener. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, a question that we're going to answer in our conference room. Um, just a reminder that we are now live on Patreon. Please check us out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash Michael Scott. You're going to be able to listen to exclusive mailbag episodes, and we're going to continue to post videos of this uh, uh, that we're, uh, as we have to uh, do this over Zoom now. We record a little video, and we'll post those up on Patreon. So please check us out. Um, but I am so excited to dig into the, uh, the blue-collar wing of Dunder Mifflin Scranton, the warehouse. Yes. Uh, really quick, too, I want to tag on to the Patreon thing, because we should say a little bit about what you get. It's $5 a month. We're doing mailbag um, only episode, or sorry, we're doing member only episodes uh, where we're just answering reader questions once a month. So that's what you get for joining Patreon, and you also get to support us. Look at these microphones that Sean and Edwin now yeah. have. Uh, we sound better, we look better. Uh, so we want to keep keep bringing the show to you and, and get better at it. So thank you to everyone who's already joined. You guys are awesome. Eventually, we'll be able to pay for that foam eggshell to coat the inside of all of our respective homes. <laughs> and then we'll really be set. Yeah. Let's jump into the warehouse, guys. Um, in our continuing location series, what, what, is the, what is the warehouse? What role does the warehouse play for the office? 
it's so important. I mean, it's like, of, of course, you know, the, just the way that the paper company works. You got the people upstairs selling paper, talking to customers, and then downstairs, uh, that's where they store it all, and that's where they load all the trucks and whatnot. But mm -hmm. it's extremely important um, for uh, for Michael Scott's character. There's, uh, I mean, we love to see um, Michael and his insecurities, and there's a whole um, new range of insecurities that come out whenever he goes down to the warehouse. Oh, <laughs> Early in the show, they play very much like a white collar versus blue collar um, sort of divide between uh, the warehouse yes. and uh, the office. And uh, it doesn't work on Michael because he is collarblind. Um, <laughs> but it also uh, forces Michael to kind of, uh, I guess, reckon with or encounter people who are more of a working class or have a. They're a little more hands-on with the paper, with the operations of shipping and and delivering the paper and receiving the paper, I suppose. Um, and it's you know Michael technically is supposed to go down there, and uh, there's one right. episode where he's like, "This is great because I haven't been down there in months." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's just a fun little way to expand the world. Well, you you mentioned that Michael, or you mentioned that Edwin of of like the way Michael talks about it. He's like, "Oh, I haven't been down there in months." Like he, there's a sense he has that that. And we see this a lot in like Boys and Girls in that episode, especially where we see like the Remember warehouse guys and lost when yeah. they met the others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even when when they come up to the office and they're talking about how soft, you know, all the white collar people are, and Michael has a real sense that he he has a weird respect and fear of people in the warehouse, and he feels like, you know, those are like the real people of the company, and he has a sense that he's. He doesn't like being called out that he's soft and white collar. He doesn't see right. himself that way. Well, he doesn't see himself anyway. He just wants to be seen at all and respected at all. And so that double layer of res of disrespect that he gets from people in the warehouse really eats at him. And so he he always tries to he wants to he wants to be able to walk down to the warehouse and have everyone look up and applaud. You know, right, which he right. finally gets when he uh, hooks up with Jan and they print out the poster. <laughs> <laughs> early early in the in the show when michael goes down there there's loud music playing there are a lot of forklifts driving through um mm -hmm. the guys in the warehouse daryl is uh we don't know daryl very well early on um so he doesn't talk Mr. too much Rogers. um mm -hmm. but the the guys in the warehouse are physically bigger than michael they make fun of michael uh so there's there's a, there's Mike. an intimidation factor there um that definitely relaxes and goes away completely over the course of the show yeah and like roy I, I guess we could start talk start with this with Roy because certainly in season one and season two, like Roy is the primary point person in the warehouse, not Daryl. Right. Um, right. That evolves over time as as Pam and Roy's relationship changes. But but for starters, yeah, and it it sort of is is it starts with basketball. I mean, that's where a lot of the warehouse dynamics are laid out, and we see that we literally have this competition between the upstairs and downstairs, white collar and blue collar, uh, and it yeah. plays out on the basketball court and. Yeah, Roy is their best player. Michael wants to guard Roy, and that that relationship is is defined a lot early on with how Michael views himself in the warehouse. For Jim too, I mean, it's you know the fact that Roy works down in the warehouse, I think, adds something to like you know Roy being a little bit more intimidating to Jim um, that uh, that he's got a man's job. Mm. Basketball, too, is the first instance where we see the warehouse being used as just a set for bigger events. Over the course of the show, the warehouse is basically a big stage for them to kind of do whatever they want to do with it. Um, 
And right. basketball is the first instance of that where they just make it into whatever they want. Um, but it, it is interesting mm. to see that big set piece uh, rolled out, you know, only a few episodes in. And it's interesting because you would have think that watching Michael play sports is something that you would have thought would have come later in the show. But it's so early on and it's so, so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, playing like you can't they're playing like full five on five in that tiny space. It's like that's a three on three court, if anything. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy how many <laughs> some scenes, how many people are jammed into that basketball game. Um but it's it is funny to watch that physically play out, and even even though like you know they basically physically intimidate Michael at the end into making them come in Saturday, and those, again those lines are drawn of like okay you guys might make more money or you guys work in your soft office, but we're tougher than you, we're bigger than you, and you respect us more than we respect you, and it eats away at Michael's psyche. And for the first few seasons, a lot there's a lot of stuff going on between the warehouse and upstairs and that it becomes less from Roy and more towards Daryl. And like, you know, like that drop at the top. I mean, Michael goes down to the warehouse to get advice about gangs. That's how he sees the warehouse. Like Michael's racism, Michael's, Michael's just complete ineptitude of, of just class race. Everything plays out whenever he goes down to the warehouse. I I like the point that you brought up too, of like, they kind of have some, power they seem to be like they don't need michael um it comes up a few times um there's even a, the time later on in the show when uh you know dunder it looks like the in season three the scranton branch is going to close mm-hmm. and um daryl's like oh we're fine uh bob vance is going to buy out the warehouse and and uh, hire all the guys so there's it comes up every now and then that like you, you love know, bringing up that one time <laughs> Uh, except of course when they try to unionize and uh and uh it it seems that uh that they can't do that without uh without michael in that in that respect but david um, hasselhoff writing in to save the union (laughs) (laughs) i think the show does miss patrice o'neill as it goes on because he plays such a big part of that uh I, i guess you would call it that sort of um that intimidation factor that the, the yeah. person who's going to make fun of Michael, uh, he steps up to the plate quite a bit. Uh, Patrice O'Neill, of course, Lonnie, a.k.a. Seamonster. Yeah, Lonnie, Seamonster. Yeah. In the safety training episode in season three, this continues as well around the Baylor. And, and they specifically call out Michael uh, almost as a way to get back at him for interrupting their presentation so much. Right, right. I don't know right. that they, re- they really care so much about proving that their jobs are harder or more dangerous than they are just about uh, – Getting back at Michael Michael. for interrupting so much and making uh, such a mess of their warehouse time after time uh, and just interrupting and causing injury every time he goes down there. (laughs) If this this show was – if this show was called – Michael. (laughs) Damn it, Michael. (laughs) We're the ones who got to clean this up. (laughs) Yes. If if this show was called The Warehouse and it just was taking place in the warehouse and like every now and then Steve Krell came down as as the soft boss, I mean, he would be twice as insufferable as he already is because he just comes Mm -hmm. down and he's just chaos. And it's like, dude, Michael, you can't try and fit in with every single person you meet. You just can't do it. Right. Let the business be the business. Let the warehouse guys do their thing. And instead, of course, yeah, he's unbuttoning a shirt as if that'll help him seem tougher. Um, Yeah. You know, he's buying pizza for everyone. He wants to be seen as a real man. And that's just never, ever, ever going to happen. Everyone knows it but Michael. Um, and so, yeah, that gets to play itself out in him, you know, <laughs> driving driving that forklift in tight little circles and just knocking over 
all those shelves, <laughs> which has got to be one of the best bits of physical comedy on the whole show, is that oh. the way that domino uh, effect works on the shelving. It's so I funny. wonder how many times they had to do that. <laughs> and the then clean all like that, that up. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yes. And then so angels, Michael. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then by the time it pans back to Michael, he's already stepped off the forklift. <laughs> like he wants to seem like it wasn't him. That's so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I, 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 I've, I've the embodiment this. of the de- of the destruction that Michael is capable of. <laughs> <laughs> the havoc he can wreak. <laughs> and I, there's there's something about the ongoing joke that Michael believes that he's allowed to just come downstairs and use whatever he wants because he's the manager of a different part of the business. He's like, yeah. I am the manager of the baler and I'm the manager of the forklift and I can use them freely as I see fit. And it's crazy. everyone's just like, no, no, you can't do that, man. Daryl, <laughs> injured on crutches, yeah. says rhetorically to the office staff, should the op- upstairs people drive the forklift? Michael says, I can and I have. <laughs> hesitation. <laughs> That's right. And he's on crutches because uh, <laughs> he was up on a ladder. Route from under him. Mm-hmm. And then said, how's it hanging? And hey, he's still... How's it hanging? <laughs> he still thinks it's funny, which is like cru- so cruel. <laughs> Steve really Carell is. is so good at delivering lines while out of breath. He really oh is. Oh my God, he really mm-hmm. is. Which happens in you basketball. Your face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so, I mean, that's, I, I've talked about this before too, but it, it, it feels throughout the first three to four seasons that the initial intention of the warehouse, maybe by the writers, and I have I have no idea, but it does seem that they were sort of slowly making an ensemble cast of their own that would live in the warehouse that could be deployed from time to time. I th- and we've talked about this. I think Patrice O'Neill's death kind of changed the trajectory of the warehouse a bit because they were starting to sort of build out Lonnie's character. They had they had Madge, the Eastern East German, I think, <laughs> that, that Michael refers to. Patch. You you take the East German girl uh, in basketball, and then um, Hide, and and you know eventually later on we get we get Nate and some other characters. But initially, Glenn, it does feel like they wanted Frank, Frank, yeah. mm-hmm. that they wanted to be able to have this kind of own comedic ensemble in the warehouse. And it seems like maybe producing those death messed with that a little bit. Um, but oh, it was sure. sad because it was it was really working. I thought it was really good early on. Uh, but then oh, yeah. Daryl kind of takes that torch on his own and sort of brings that into the office uh, after that. Well, and they go so far as to literally bring Daryl upstairs into the office in season seven. They bring him yeah. to Jim's old office, and he gets to interact and, a lot more with the regular ensemble and office staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes, I, like, even in prepping for this, I kind of forget sometimes that it's like uh, the warehouse goes through a full change. You get Val as the foreman later, mm-hmm. and we get Nate in the warehouse. <laughs> we sure do. Spectacular. <laughs> we sure do. And then uh, and then, of course... Um, a heat day, like you said, Frank. We we it does come into play a little bit later, but um, yeah, right, for the first Frank. for the first three four seasons, yeah, the warehouse is there, like you said, it's a stage to sort of play out the economic differences uh, in the world, uh, at least as much as a show like The Office can. I love thinking about it as a stage too. I mean, it's like think about how many different setups and different events happen in the warehouse. You've got uh, you know oh, the man. basketball game, crime aid. Casino the roast, night. casino night, uh, the the tropical, the, the Jamaican luau, party, yeah. yeah, the luau, the haunted, <laughs> the haunted warehouse, the uh, haunted warehouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the it's a scene in Threat Level Midnight, 
where the prisoners are all lined up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's underneath the underneath the hockey rink is uh, mm-hmm. inside of the warehouse. That's right, and um, it, we get just, we get greased up uh, greased up boxes flying around. Per, per, yeah. it's more rapid. Oh, so the uh, so, the Lodenstein, of course. In my uh, yeah, no, I think uh, one thing that I noticed rewatching or preparing for this episode today is how often uh, the warehouse is used for secret meetings. Mm. Um, yes, it starts with the alliance, but then it continues uh, with characters kind of getting away to have these secret conversations and. The the real sort of turning Secret point for rendezvous. me <laughs> in the uh, in the show where I feel like they they use the warehouse almost exclusively for secret meetings and staged events is in season five where it begins with weight loss. Sure. We begin to see Dwight and Angela hooking up in the warehouse, um, but then from there on, it it's very clearly like an open space with almost a U of people acting or working around it, and then in the middle there's Daryl on a couch talking to Michael, or there's. Um, Right. Trying to think of some other instances, the ping pong table or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess that's technically before season four, but or before season five. But uh, after season five, I noticed it happened more and more and more to the point where at one point Daryl pulls a wall away with the forklift and he says, "What did I tell you about making forts in my warehouse?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're right. I forgot it was also the ping pong venue. Uh, we didn't mm-hmm. even mention yes. that one. Yeah, um, ping pong, the garage sale. My God. Yeah, yeah go on and on. It's it's a sex den for Dwight and Angela. It's their own <laughs> it's, private geez. place to to resolve their contracts or and, the uh, secret napping spot. Up that's in what the, I was going to uh, say. I Jim love, and Pam here, Dwight and Angela, not I, the, uh, yes. in terms of their contract. Yes, I I I almost wish I'd played that drop from Daryl at the beginning, where he's like, "In the warehouse, we have a place." Um, there's there's almost a, there's a mysticism with which he talks about this area of the warehouse where there's this yeah. this draft the of warm bulbs. air and the light bulb so, is burned out so it's dark and the backup <laughs> generator keeps it nice and warm. Sometimes I think about it when I'm trying to go to sleep at home. And uh, it's funny because that's that is just a lot of how the warehouse plays out as the show goes on. Is this sort of yeah this place where it, it's it's a place where the showdown happens. It's a place where uh, your dreams can come true. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's also where the uh, and uh, Kevin and the Zits practice. That's right. But yes, band love, practice a few different times. Yeah. Love getting to see band practice. And it's a place for expression. Yeah, be it Andy's music, be it Pam's mural, um, be it Dwight's espionage, uh, his own be form it, of, uh... <laughs> of, of, of artful uh, intrigue. Be it uh, Andy's uh, dancing when he uh, recreates the scene from Footloose. <laughs> of course. And uh, <laughs> the snowfall with the peanuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Early, Daryl, early in the show, you ever going do this to before? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says when he's dumping the <laughs> snow peanuts on. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Edwin. Oh, uh, just early in the show, it's it's a big deal when they go down to the warehouse. It's it's They're crossing a line so to speak, to go down there. And then later in the show, they just kind of go down there whenever there's a, an event that's too big for the conference room, basically. Right. Mm. Um, the one that jumps to mind, of course, is the balloon slowly descending. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, that's I not until that season scene. nine. But it is funny that that's towards the end of the show. They sort of frame uh, a plot of an episode just around that simple thing of this balloon slowly it's been up there forever everyone in the company knows about it they all gather upstairs and downstairs to watch this balloon slowly drift to the ground and as it does it it reminds them of just how much or how little they've done uh, over the years that this balloon has existed up in this kevin malone i just remember pushing back my silky bangs and saying (laughs) look a balloon (laughs) 
and then they kill it with a forklift. You know, it's the yeah. symbolic sort kill of the kill balloon. the balloon. Yeah. Kill the balloon. <laughs> and it's it's almost this unifying thing uh, at the end of the show that happens in the warehouse, as opposed to like you said, Edwin, a lot of things earlier where it's like it's crossing a line and they shouldn't mix and. The way that manifests itself is in giant accidents or, you know, occasionally they just or like in even in weight loss, like they just go down there because they need the scale or, right. you know, they just they have they Don't have a need. my scale. They, yeah. They use the warehouse when when they need it. Uh, and then it becomes more of a place to explore stuff later where they don't necessarily uh, have a task to do down there. They just want to go down there. Uh, I mean, there's also the, the thing of like, you know, of course, both the warehouse thinking that. The people upstairs can't do their job. The people upstairs thinking like, you know, of course we could work in the warehouse. You don't have to be smart to do that. We're smart enough to to sell paper and whatnot. But you get a couple of times them going downstairs and like trying to help or like mm -hmm. lo loading trucks themselves. You get Stanley saying this here is a run out the clock situation. Just yeah. like upstairs. <laughs> um, but of course, like they can't figure out a good way. To, uh, you know, you get um, Dwight and Jim and Aaron and uh, Kevin uh, inventing the Senor Lodenstein because they can't mm -hmm. figure out how to move boxes onto the truck. Um, which is happening because of the lottery winning, of course. Uh, and that's right. right. Yeah, which we should talk about because we do get a moment of reflection of Daryl of feeling like, oh, my God. I right. leave the warehouse. I come upstairs to, you know, to like make more money and better myself yeah. in this company. And then bam, everyone down there wins the lottery. Are you kidding me? It changes the timber and the tone of the way the warehouse is kind of portrayed in the show. Because number one, all those characters turn over. So Hide and Madge and Glenn, uh, those guys, they, they, they all leave the show. And then they bring in a new group that is, you know, the Val mm -hmm. is the foreman. Nate is part of the ensemble, but everyone else is pretty much, um, they don't really identify them until they talk about Frank later on in the show, um, which is kind of interesting. It also gives Daryl a moment, yes, to kind of come back to himself and say, why is a forklift in the wall? Why is there grease on my floor? To be kind of in charge as the, as the foreman mm -hmm. of the warehouse again, or the manager mm -hmm. of the warehouse. I don't know what, if we know what his technical title is at that right. time. Um but, uh, but yeah, and then after that, the, just the way that they portray the warehouse changes a little bit just because they're not introducing the characters in the same way. And I think, you know, they're, the people like to point out now moments where the camera was not helpful where they could have been. Case in point, Andy floating away in the lake. A really easy one is when they zoom in tight on the pallet jack and don't tell them that there's a pallet jack there. Oh, right, right. <laughs> oh, also, Dwight, for someone who, who would know – Farm equipment. They talk about later in season nine. He talks about buying a what is it? A, it's not an auger or a tractor right, with uh, right. Esther's father. I don't remember the exact piece of machinery. But for someone who has familiarity <laughs> with farm machinery, you'd think that Dwight would have a little more caution getting into a forklift while being unlicensed or uncertified. You'd think. You'd think he's driven. He's driven <laughs> enough. He's driven enough antique farm equipment around. <laughs> I love how he just like crashes that forklift and just goes, okay. And just gets out of the forklift and just picks up a box. <laughs> hum Dwight, when he's humbled, is so funny. That just like a little instance. Yep, punishment fits the crime. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so good. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, there's that other we, – we mentioned it briefly where we, where we get Pam painting the mural downstairs and um, interacting with Frank. I mean, I think there's a few times that like there's uh, – 
like a masculine energy in the warehouse that is kind of almost dangerous sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously Roy coming upstairs and trying to attack Jim, but uh, but this character Frank is especially uh, embodies that, um, and it almost makes you wonder why Daryl or anyone even likes or Val uh, mm-hmm. how they can even get along with this guy. Frank, of you course, know- is the guy who defaces Pam's mural. Yes, it's out. funny Thanks. you mentioned that and watching that episode, it it does feel like over the course of the show, the the uh, the that sort of masculine energy, I guess you would call it, or like you were saying, Sean, yeah. kind of decreases and goes away near the end of the show. Right, they bring it back in force for this particular episode. There's even a line uh, where um, where they try to when they're trying to figure out who who defaced the mural, they bring in Clark wearing this big like. Uh, <laughs> Like this big warehouse uniform, oversized, and it's really baggy on him. And then he says, "All right, you know, you there, boy, back to the warehouse with the untouchables." He says, <laughs> "The only crime was loving the local sports team too much." And then he turns to Pam and he says, uh, "Pam, you know this is ridiculous, right?" And Dwight says, "Go make your hands dirty with work." <laughs> My only crime is loving the local sports team. Yeah. <laughs> Go get your hands dirty with oh, work. Oh God. That is funny that Dwight is isn't is so kind of klutzy when it comes. Well, he's usually klutzy when it comes to the warehouse. But like, I, it's funny because you know Dwight always, whenever the the firemen or police are around, Dwight fancies himself a liaison between the two camps, and he he wants to keep. I I, I feel like he should be doing that more with the warehouse of like guys. I'm a farmer. Like I'm I'm one of you. Uh, right. But he doesn't. He's pretty adept down there, um, and even gets himself trapped in a box and all that, all sorts of stuff. He does in the, at the end of the vandalism episode. He is basically the warehouse. Basically, uh, stonewalls Pam. They won't give her any information. Val goes inside the office when Pam is standing up on the lift trying to demand who did it, and then Dwight comes in and is uh, he's very imposing back to mm-hmm. the warehouse. He makes mm. them try to draw images of butts and sign them because it's <laughs> finish. Signed pictures of drawings of butts. Uh, but he does sort of uh, turn the – like he like you mentioned, Alex, that the warehouse is where the showdown happens. It's very true. That happens a bunch of different times. Mm. That's also where uh, yeah. Daryl and his sister uh, confront Toby and Dwight. Right. <laughs> when uh, Toby and oh, Dwight go to figure out what happened to Daryl and they yell at his sister. That's right. <laughs> Very similar shot and framing to uh, when Daryl and Roy intimidate Michael into working after basketball. Just, mm-hmm. just the where they they That's show right. the height differences, <laughs> getting they show how big chest. they are and how they're kind of looking down at him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, they always the warehouse always wins in those showdowns for sure. It um, is funny how Dwight stands up and then shows a little bit of second guessing himself. Yeah, when he's standing next to both Daryl and Gwyneth. Yeah. <laughs> Another episode we haven't talked about yet is is the uh, the garage sale, and it's something that happens. It's something that happens a lot where the office is allowed to sort of just come downstairs and use the warehouse for whatever they want, and that never goes the other way, which is pretty representative right. <laughs> of the corporate structure of just like the top can always go down and do what they want, but the warehouse is never coming up to the office to use stuff they need. Um, yeah, but it's like. How many times in the show has it seemingly the warehouse had to completely clear out everything they're doing so that the office can Moosh? have a roast of Michael or have a garage sale or have it a t- band practice? And it's like, right. how much work does it take to clear out this workspace? 
so it's much. Crazy. I can only Im- yeah. <laughs> they I mean yeah, the garage sale the place is like empty. Yeah. Yeah, they have to move everything to the sides and pack it up. It's like this is ridiculous. Set up a this bunch isn't of folding how it, tables. this kind yeah. of company works. Like, there's, there, there can't be. But um, I mean, there are only a couple of moments of where like logic is applied against what they want to do. One is Daryl and Toby talking about what Michael wants to do with Casino Night. Yes. Um, the other is when Michael is talking to Daryl about setting up the stage for his roast. He right. says the roasters got to be on stage. Then who will be in the audience? The audience will be in the audience. <laughs> it doesn't hold up to the very, ba- very basic questioning. Uh-huh. Yeah, they try. The, they also um, have a yeah, Bob ahead. Vance's bachelor party down there. Oh, right. oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, of course. Oh boy, what a bachelor party to attend! <laughs> that one would have so been so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it you know it's it's I think that's that's a part of the show that sort of inequality between the between the top and the bottom that plays out subtly it's not it's not it's not that overtly talked about i mean it is sort of in a cartoonish way between michael and uh and dwight and and daryl but like it just happens so often you start forgetting about it it's like oh they'll go down to the warehouse and use the whole warehouse for whatever that episode is and it's sort of like we never talk about how much it must disrupt that company I mean, it, it it gives you a good reason for why they just hate Michael so much. Oh yeah, um, and 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 openly critic like bully him and make fun of him. Right. Just keep living your nerfy life, sitting on your biscuit, never having to <laughs> risk it. <laughs> there are a couple moments where that dynamic sort of skews back and forth or goes in the other direction to make Michael a little less elevated above the the warehouse um one is the negotiation except for where, except for safety uh, training where he's very elevated yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true um but I, I just mean to say that you know they uh when daryl asked for a raise because roy is gone and he's taken on these additional clients uh, he finds out that mike <laughs> yeah. i'm declining to speak first that uh that michael makes not nearly as much as he would have thought and right. to the point where Daryl takes a picture of his paycheck and sends it to Roy, because Roy's going to really get a kick out of this. Right? He's really going to cheer, cheer him up. Him up. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, so he does that. The- he does that with the you wearing lady clothes, Mike. That's what yeah. he sends him the picture to cheer him up. Yeah. But in terms of kind of making fun of Michael and making him not seem like as much of a man, although Michael is above him in the corporate structure, they do a good job of leveling that playing field a little bit. Um, yeah. With that moment, and then. When Joe is there with the town hall meeting and Daryl brings in that picture, that diagram that he's drawn of how to ship printers and paper separately, Michael says, look at that picture that you drew. We're going to put that up in the refrigerator on the kitchen. I know. <laughs> and he says to Joe, he whispers, mellow, soulful, smart for warehouse. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's a, what is uh, in uh, Booze Cruise, uh, Michael refers to the warehouse as uh, the, the boiler room on the Titanic. They're down there singing their ethnic songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Michael's Michael's sexism, racism, everything is uh, played out in the warehouse more than any other place. And, uh, right. you know, it's like one of those things for as much as we all love Michael Scott and as endearing as he can be, there are a lot of things he does and says that are pretty irredeemable. Uh, <laughs> this, and a, a lot of it has just, to do with the warehouse. That just made me think of uh, Boys and Girls uh, I think it's Boys and Girls. Maybe it's Bachelor Party. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, he's talking about being guys and all this stuff. And Madge is like, do you want me to go? And <laughs> <laughs> he's like, um, no, no, you don't have to. She's like, no. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. 
yeah. It's such an important ingredient, though, in the show, The Warehouse. I mean, having any kind of representation from from more blue-collar you know, folks. And, of course, the diversity, as far as like The Warehouse has way more diversity than upstairs and you need that element in the show a lot um we you know we've really haven't even talked too much about uh hide either who's you know in japan number one steady that whole uh <laughs> i almost i i almost played an even longer drop at the beginning which is that hide's entire story which by the way michael my, my brother michael and i were just talking about how uh. um I would love to see Greg Daniels or really anyone do like a gritty movie, like a thriller that's really intense oh. and cast Hide, cast the same guy and do the ex- whole story that he says. And it ends same character, same character, oh, yeah. same character, everything. And it ends, <laughs> it ends with him getting off a fishing boat and meeting Daryl like somewhere. <laughs> that's where it ends. As, as much that. as I love Hide, I'm glad they didn't overdo it with Hide. Yes. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. They bring him up, and uh, Dwight tries to push him as the candidate for the Print in All Colors initiative. He mm. applies to be the next salesman, and they just don't hear him. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. don't know what you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, you know, Michael refers to it at one point, too. There's another, like, uh, immigrant who uh, he hires, and he's very proud of it <laughs> to the point that, you know, the worker comes and says, Mr. Scott. Will you be the godfather of my child? Of my child. Oh yeah. yeah. And he's like wow. he's like, we had to let him go. He was terrible. <laughs> wow. You know, you we talked about this, but Michael going down to the warehouse, there's a moment where he says, or as I call it, the Hoard House. But don't you call it that, he says to Ryan. And Ryan says, Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but he goes down and he'll sit on the couch and he'll talk to Daryl. And Daryl does the such a great job of absorbing the insensitivity that Michael has giving him something back and making fun of him and giving him something to go off of without mm. having Michael feel that he's being made fun of all the time. I'm thinking yeah. of all, you know, the, the cool handshake that he teaches him. Right, right. Zoppity, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or when Michael when, goes down there in the baby shower episode, I was just going to say, and uh, he says, when you held, <laughs> when you first became a baby daddy. Yeah. Did you feel a connection that when you held your baby, baby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know why? <laughs> Because that was my baby. <laughs> you feel like I can you hold him? me? He goes, could I? Uh, no. <laughs> any, any, uh, Michael going down to see Daryl in his office. There's only, there's not a ton that happens, but those are always really special moments. And none bigger, of course, than when they print out the poster of Michael and Jan. And that's probably, mm. that's probably the most the warehouse and the office ever click and get along is uh, their shared appreciation of Michael and Jan hooking up and uh, the way they applaud for Michael. And to S- the Steve Carell's acting, the the way he sort of, he doesn't want, he wants to go down there and manage what just happened. But yeah. when they start applauding for him, the way he sort of is wrestling with, oh my he God, I made a huge it. mistake. But he's also like, I'm enjoying what's happening right now, that all these guys respect me for a moment because I hooked up with Jan, you know, get that corporate yeah. booty. Yeah, he's um, a waves. <laughs> uh, that's that's as good as it ever gets between Michael and the warehouse for sure. So. Michael stumbling into praise is always so funny. <laughs> Where he's not expecting it. Yeah, like at the uh, shareholders meeting when he gives that speech. Yeah, that's right. Yes. 
Right. They, yeah, just whenever the moments where he accidentally does something well. Or David Wallace wants to talk to him and he's afraid right. he's going to get a, a lashing and instead he gets an attaboy, you know, and if, mm-hmm. because he's like, his sales are doing well. It's, yeah, it's always good stuff. But, it, you know, this there's doesn't a, happen much with the warehouse. Uh, there's a couple more great basketball moments that happen in the oh, warehouse. Yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, they're pretty much back to back, actually, because we get when Michael is leaving uh, the show in season seven. Catch you on the flippity <laughs> flop. <laughs> Catch you on the flippity flip. <laughs> yeah. And it just keeps throwing the ball over his shoulder until he makes one. Um, but the, then- other piece of that, the other piece of that is that in Michael's concluding arc, wrapping up relationships with everyone, he asks Daryl if he can use the baler. Daryl says no. Yeah. And then he goes down and he says to one of the warehouse guys, Daryl said I could use the baler. And the warehouse guy says no. <laughs> so good. Oh, but the- then we also get Will. Joke. Just, they touch on that joke just at, at the perfect amount of times over the show of Michael mm-hmm. just really wanting to use the Baylor. <laughs> Baylor? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Wait, trivia question. How many people get their hands cut off or arms cut off in a Baylor each year? Five? Ten? Thought... Uh oh. I think it was four. <laughs> oh, you don't know? <laughs> thought you would know. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, I don't. That's know. all right. I might maybe I'll look it up here so I also, can uh, I when, can fix that. <laughs> when Michael leaves and he's got like his almost schedule of like everyone he wants to talk to on the last day, like how many hours does he spend trying to make that shot instead? Because I feel like for a oh lot of that gosh. episode, he's just sitting there trying to make that. They shot. make it look the way they cut. It makes it look like the sun is set in the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when they cut away and cut back. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, Speaking ten, of warehouse, ten, pe- oh. ten people get their arms cut off in the Baylor every year. <laughs> Speaking of warehouse safety, one of my other favorite warehouse moments doesn't involve Daryl or Michael, uh, or it does involve Daryl, I suppose. But it's Val, and there's a mandatory safety training meeting, and Gabe is there because he's trying to hit on Val. Uh, GSL. And he puts down he, – he, I get the feeling that uh, Val enjoys a good put down, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be milking that hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he puts on Daryl's belt and pretends it's a hula hoop. Malakaliki Maka is Hawaii's way. Oh God! Do you even know her last name? <laughs> yeah, because she's going to be screaming, screaming it. She's going to be last screaming night, her own night. last name. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Which is One Johnson. By moments, the way, her last name is Johnson. They mm. really, they really unleash uh, Zach Woods as Gabe in season eight because Zach Woods is such a funny actor and performer, mm-hmm. but he very rarely gets to act out funny lines in the first, what season six and season seven, where he's just the corporate liaison. Um, but in season eight, he gets to get to be a little bit wilder, a little bit sillier. I was going to go to the cemetery, drink a little wine. I was hoping you would want to join me. <laughs> oh God. So creepy Gabe. Perhaps um, the director thought that even the notion of narrative was comforting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh well as the as the show wraps up you know in the, in like in the finale we get that you know after the documentary has come out and all this stuff we get our the q a happens in in the warehouse and that's um we kind of get a special moment there where uh we have all the uh the ensemble sitting in like director's chairs doing a little Q and a with everybody. And they all kind of give each other a little look after a while. Cause they take that 
big group picture together with everybody who's like uh, just, I don't know, attending the Q&A for the documentary. And then they all decide to go upstairs um, together. Are you guys? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You look confused. <laughs> well, they do the Q and A like a performing arts center, right? Yeah, it's in a theater. That's right. You're, are you talk, like, but, what, you're but talking? But they about do it in the warehouse. Like party, there's like an there's after an party after. at the warehouse. That's right. Oh, is okay. Do you know? I I am confused. No, I know. I know what moment you're talking about. The <laughs> after the the after party does take okay. place in the warehouse, and they want to take a big group picture under the mural. Oh, right, right. We take one. Yeah. They're in okay. Pam says, uh, "No, I just I kind of met just the people who work in the office, and they all and laugh, and no one gets out of the picture." That's right, right, right. That's right. Yeah, that's I right. thought you were saying that they did the Q and A in the warehouse with all You're those right. people I, watching. That's right. There's another. There's a Q and A at the at the theater. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I mean, I thinking about the warehouse, I thought about that um moment, and of course, like you were saying, anytime they have something that's too big for being upstairs, they go down and do it in the warehouse. Like a paper airplane contest, perhaps, or ah. the, the series of trials that Jim gets Dwight to do to make Dwight his own assistant, assistant <laughs> manager. That's right. Phyllis, what are you doing? The boss needs his coffee. <laughs> it is a good venue for scavenger hunts. And uh, yeah, That's like right. you said, the secret meetings, too. There's a lot of meetings just outside the warehouse. Uh, Michael, you know, with Oscar, Michael, oh, and yeah. Aaron, Dwight, and Michael. D- Dwight and Ryan. Uh, Charles and Dwight bombarding Michael. <laughs> Dwight, it's a, it's a setup. Uh, <laughs> Oscar and the senator kissing and then Kevin's ice cream falling out of his ice cream coat. Yeah. Oh, my um, gosh. Oh, speaking of Oscar, we haven't talked about Matt at all. He kind of is a flash in the pan. Oh, yeah. As far as warehouse mm-hmm. workers. Um, Go the, Oscar. Go be a warehouse guy. Yeah. The whole <laughs> thing is engineered where they get drinks with guys from the warehouse, and it's all kind of awkward and weird, but... Um, yeah, then Oscar starts to, you know, kind of stalk Matt a little bit. <laughs> Something funny that I noticed was uh, in the Happy Hour episode that Oscar engineers that big happy hour with mm-hmm. everyone. Uh, <laughs> Michael says, ladies and gentlemen, it is quitting time. I meant, <laughs> I meant after work. <laughs> uh, uh, Oscar, Matt, Matt says, does anyone want to play some hoops? And Oscar says, yeah, hoops. And then Oscar can't shoot a basketball. He's throwing the basketball at the hoop and it's bouncing back at him. Yeah. But in the uh, – Let's see. The episode is job there in season five uh, where they're at the high school. Oscar is seen shooting hoops with Daryl on like a pop shot. Well, and in basketball, of course, Oscar oh, he wants is, to play. Left, That's is right. left off the team. And Michael says, well, we'll we'll get a hold of you come uh, baseball, se- baseball, boxing or baseball season. Baseball season mm-hmm. or if we ever need to box. If we ever need to box, uh, which right. again, horrible. But um <laughs> but we're, we're led to believe in that scene, though, because we see Oscar just sinking buckets in the trash can with paper That's balls. Right. So we're led to believe that Oscar is a is a is a pure shooter. At least right. we know Kevin is too. That's um, right. And given his dancing and his figure skating, like he's a pretty coordinated guy, you know. Absolutely, certainly. Yeah. He can vogue. He can ice skate. What what can't Oscar do? <laughs> Beat Michael in a debate about China. That's what he. Can't That's do. right. <laughs> Um, what other what any other favorite moments from the the warehouse that you guys uh, that we didn't get to? I mean, they're just the warehouse is such a big canvas for the show. As the show goes on and the tone gets a little bit sillier, a little bit looser, a little less grounded in the reality of a workplace, the warehouse is used more and more often for these big events that involve the entire cast and put them all together. Um, we only touched on the auction, um, but Crime Aid, the auction was great. It's Michael not knowing what Bruce Springsteen songs are. Three are Huey mm-hmm. Lewis in the news. One <laughs> yeah. is Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, and Daryl's favorite, Short People. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I really wish people would stop storming off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but then that ends with the really nice moment where they auction off Phyllis's hug. 1,000. 1,000. And then, of course, the roast. The roast is amazing. Yeah, that's about yes. that's the best use of the next to casino night. Probably the best use of the of the warehouse. Um, yeah, I would say I I love I love everything about casino night. It's the it's never is the office transformed as much as it is in is casino night, and uh, everything that happens there is beautiful. There are a number of secret meetings that we didn't touch on, but oh, yeah. when the in casual Friday when the salesmen all meet to uh, discuss yeah. their plans. Um, and then, weight loss, yeah, weight loss. That's another great one. Yeah, where Phyllis Happy brings everyone down to eat cake. Stanley, <laughs> yeah. I only like baklava. <laughs> There's a great moment at the end of weight loss too, where Stanley stands on the scale by himself and puts one fist in the air. That's I right, love yeah. that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, but no, I mean it's just a fun little extension of the world. Definitely, definitely, and I do think like you know Michael does. As the show goes on, of course, people are more comfortable with telling Michael off. But in the beginning, it's really only those guys in the warehouse who can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, uh, it, it, you know, we see it in in basketball. They're kind of the only ones who seem to have the power to talk back to Michael or uh, or to uh, intimidate him into into doing what they want. So I think that's that's really great to see, especially when we see Michael making everyone else's lives miserable upstairs. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of nice to see him get pushed around a little bit. You know, there's an interesting thing that happens in the warehouse where Daryl and uh, and Jim are leaning over the replaced railing and they're uh, they're talking about being very frustrated with the way that things are running. And uh, Jim says to Daryl, like, what if there was a new, another job that you could, you and I could both have that would be awesome in Philly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in in the lead up to that moment, Daryl says something like, "It seems like the better my title gets, the stupider the job is." Hmm. So there's something kind of there with the court, like this the I don't know the corporate job not being what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. totally. In St. Patrick's Day, um, we get Daryl uh, telling the warehouse guys that he can't join them for the bar because he sees Joe across mm-hmm. the office, and he's like, "No, I'm gonna you know keep working here." And we get that wave from Michael to Daryl across the office. And like, you see it on Daryl's face as he waves back that realization that he doesn't get to, you know, just be like, eh, F you anymore. You know, he mm-hmm. has to, he, maybe he's kind of, you know, sympathizing a little bit with, with maybe what Michael goes through. Yeah. And that's ultimately what, what I think the warehouse plays on the show is it sort of, it, it goes upstairs and downstairs and sort of reminds it, it, it helps, I think, ground a lot of people in the office. Um, and the things that happen down there are, are events that are generally pretty healthy for most of the characters, even if they're just getting rid of their stuff on Garage Day or the competition that plays out between Roy and Jim in basketball and then later Daryl and Jim in ping pong. Like we get Pam goes from kind of rooting for Jim, but really for or rooting for Roy, but really for Jim. And then she's <laughs> openly rooting for Jim later. And like, it's funny that those two events both happened in the warehouse. Um, <laughs> and a lot of things play out down there. And, that, you know, even Michael with the roast, like he confronts his own, he, he's able to accept people making fun of him finally, you know, because of all of that. Um, the auction, like it actually kind of brings people together. Casino night mm. is a huge hit. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of a place where stuff that can't happen in the office happens and it's healthy for a lot of the characters. 
There is right. a physicality to the space. Things yeah. play out in real time. There is yeah. physical work that goes on down there, and physical events happen down there. Ping yeah. pong, basketball, right? Um, the Baylor roasts, knocking yeah. everything yeah. over. By the well, way, it's like to answer your question, Sean. I think my favorite moment is when he knocks everything over with the fork. That's <laughs> that is great. We'll get someone to clean that up. Uh, Dwight <laughs> shooting through the window with his potato gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, that's right. It's pneumatic potato. I, I did think of too the ping pong scene. I just love Kelly Kapoor in that whole yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. The trash hey, talk. hey, you, you! I don't like your boyfriend. Why, why? Cause, cause, cause he sucks at ping pong. The scene where then <laughs> Pam and Kelly play, and then yeah, it's just so good. <laughs> they can't get him. Oh God, it's so good. Yeah. P I. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's we can move, move on. on. Let's move on. Good, good talks Ta- about the warehouse, though, guys. Welcome, welcome to room. my world where the producers hang out. That's the right. <laughs> There's Maybe. a physicality and a confrontation yeah. to audio production. Yeah. <laughs> conference room, five minutes. That means conference room, five minutes. No, no, five seconds. All right. So for this week's conference room, uh, we've had a few people uh, ask us different questions about a handful of celebrity cameos on the show from mm-hmm. – Tim Meadows, Conan O'Brien, to Tig Notaro, and uh, Bob Odenkirk later in the show. I think we wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about some of our favorite celebrity cameo moments in the show. So uh, how do you guys want to start? Should we just go around table? Sure. Yeah, I made a, sh- I made a short list of like – I yeah, wrote down but- my four favorites. Um, but I'll start with my f- who my favorite celebrity cameo on the show is, which is Josh Groban. Yes. Um, <laughs> the The – the the aura of being a Bernard that that Josh Groban brings is I I just can't think of many other people who could do that like of course he has to be one of the best singers in the world uh, that's how that's what Andy's brother who who Andy lives in a shadow of would be the, one of the best singers <laughs> in the world and but he's also so effusive and he's so nice and <laughs> bye Pam bye Tuna. Uh, he just has a lot of moments that that really make me smile, and then you get the scene on the boat with Andy, and uh, they don't use him too much. He's only maybe three times he comes up as Andy's brother, but every time is just amazing, and I'm glad they got him. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got him. Uh, I I got to go with uh, I think my favorite is Chris Gethard, oh, <laughs> especially that's, that's really in good. season nine. Um, I, I don't have his name right in front of me or his character's name. Oh, Trevor, um, who's another, who's a fellow former Trevor. volunteer sheriff's deputy. Yeah. You say jump, he says on whom? <laughs> pipe and a sandwich. Sandwich delivery for Oscar Martinez. It's like a pipe hanging out of it. And then Kevin's like, I'm, I'm, I'm Oscar Martinez. And then Angela has to go to the like throat cutting. Like, no, not, not. so bad. Oh my god! Sandwich oh. delivery. There's a great moment where they all get in the van, and uh, Angela and Trevor say, "Are you? Do you think we're alone?" And Dwight says, "Well, there has been this documentary crew that's been trailing our every move for the past nine years, but I don't see any of them, so I think we're okay." <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! All right, Edwin, what about you? I think I'm going to go with the uh, the OG celebrity cameo, which is Tim Meadows. Yeah, he was on my uh, list the, for sure. Client in season two, I think. Yeah, uh, watching watching The Office uh, as it aired live on TV, Tim Meadows was so much more famous than anyone on the show at the time. Um, it felt like they had real star power true. in that episode or in that moment. Um, and it's interesting to watch the the way the different NBC shows have different actors from SNL or different sitcoms or whatever come into mm-hmm. the show. Um, but Tim Meadows was one of the first ones where it was like, oh, wow, they have a celebrity guest star. Mm-hmm. 
Super, super good. Um, uh, Tim Meadows' delivery of that line uh, to Jan, where he's like, you, you put yourself out there. You slit your wrist. You said, world, this is my blood. It's red like yours, so love me. <laughs> that, is, that is really special. So good. Yeah. Also, the small line where Michael, Michael wants to tell a joke and – he just says, it's okay, I like jokes. It gives Michael just that inch of daylight that he yeah. needs to totally take over the conversation. <laughs> Which yeah. You could argue that that's one line that Christian gives of, it's okay, I like jokes, leads to Michael and Jan's mm-hmm. entire relationship. Wow. Because it lets Michael close that sale, and it lets they, they make out. Everything starts from that one joke. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I have that awesome <laughs> coming to my nose. <laughs> A uh, couple quick honorable mentions. I think Tignotaro's single, she has, might have the best single scene of just shows up that one time and a friend of mine uses your paper. You do good work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I love, I love that line. It's so funny. Um, I mean, uh, obviously, obviously, Will Ferrell, uh, D'Angelo Vickers, I, I absolutely love that character. That's not a cameo, um, though, is it? That can't be a cameo. He's in it I, for the, too much. That's the thing. It's right, the fine line right. between. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. I mean, it kind of it's it's a difficult line to 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 determine because like, is Kathy Bates a cameo? She's in so much of the no, show. No, right? I don't think no, so. No, no, no. I don't think so either. So. Uh, I, that's a I good. Think, if you're in multiple episodes, I don't think okay, you're okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll then I'll change it to uh, Larry Wilmore, in mm. uh, who is uh, who's Mr. Brown in Diversity Day, Sorry. and maybe and maybe a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Larry Wilmore had a great um, uh, variety show on Comedy Central for for a while that kind of got that got canceled after a couple of years, but I was a big fan of it, and I've the nightly show with Larry. Yeah, Wilmore. That, that, mm-hmm. that's it. Now he has black hair. The other the the other cameo that I think is really just a cameo is Conan O'Brien in season two. That's, that's the other one. That really that's a true, true that's cameo. a true cameo. It's just played for Michael to be upset. There's no expression on Conan's face. He's just walking down the street. Mm-hmm. And he does it while Michael is talking to the fake Tina Fey. I know. It's Michael, so good. who's so obsessed with comedy and yeah. trying to interact with his idols. Yeah. Uh, we, we also we get a parade of cameos, of course, in search committee. Um, right. Oh yeah, just you just get one Jim after another. Jim Carrey, yeah. They, they, uh, to me, they almost Warren Buffett. Warren they almost Buffett. cancel cancel each other out for me. Yeah, there's so many. Will Arnett, da- um, Ricky Gervais is David. Ricky Brent. Gervais yeah. is gr- that scene is also. Um, I mean, we see him there, but then when Michael and and David Brent run into each other, that scene is just electric. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. Reginald also, Poofda. <laughs> I want the hug he gives him. I also wanted to just call myself out because I said if there are multiple episodes, it's not a cameo. And I said Josh Groban. So screw yeah, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, no, you should. You should have. I uh, shot Double myself standard. in the foot there. I know. So I will replace it with my other honorable mention, which is Joan Cusack at the end. Because yes. I, oh, Ed Begley Jr. There yeah. are few actresses who can bring the vulnerability and earnestness that she brings in just one moment to being Aaron's mom. There's so few actresses who could do that, and Joe Cusack is so perfectly cast, is so, so good funny. at it. Aaron, the way she looks at her, is <laughs> yeah. just uh, is so special. It's great. Yeah, the scene where they dance at the end. Where did you get your dance moves? I don't know. I've just always been a really great dancer, and they all dance together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sweet stuff. Any any uh, any other ones you feel like mentioning? Paul Feig is a special one as the Feig's animal good. trainer. Yeah, at the Carla Fern agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Bob Odenkirk. 
Yeah. Because he auditioned for the role yes. of Michael Scott. He gets to play as Michael Scott for one episode. It's it's, it's really uh, great Definitely. to see. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then Ryan Howard, the big piece. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> Eat fresh. Well, uh, well, let's move on Eric to some Wareheim. trivia. Shout out, shout oh. out to my boy, Eric Wareheim. Oh, Eric Wareheim, for yeah. sure. Let's get him in there. All right. All right. Uh, let's do some trivia. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. All right, so this trivia, thank you very much to James in sunny England, who has uh, written us a lot, and uh, we love always hearing from hey, James. Hey, all right. Um, so uh, James has crafted an excellent uh, round of trivia for you two. All these questions relate to movies mentioned in the show. Love okay? it. So here we go. In season five, episode Stress Relief. Which film do Andy, Pam, and Jim watch? Mrs. Albert Hannaday. Yeah. Correct. Oh, we didn't even mention Jack Black as a cameo either. Oh, yeah. Or, <laughs> That's uh, a good one. Or Horace Leachman. Yeah. yeah. Or Jessica Alba. <laughs> That's right. Jessica Alba's in that, too. That's crazy. All right. Let's see. Um, safety Training, Season 3. What films uh, does Kelly mention while explaining how Netflix works? Two, two movies she, ex- she mentions. Pretty in Pink. Oh, what a, pr- what a girl wants. Mm, no, no. Uh, she, uh, Love Actually and Uptown Girl. And mm. <laughs> it's so funny that, that season three, um, she's explaining how you get DVDs in the mail and how uh, the queue works I know. and stuff. I, I go click, click, click. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Niagara, season six, which Pixar films does Michael say he cried at? Three. three Wally. Nope. Ratatouille. <laughs> no. Up. Toy Story. Up. Toy Story. One more. Bugs Bugs Life. That would be funny <laughs> if you said Bugs Life. <laughs> you guys almost mentioned all of them. Uh, it's Finding Nemo is the thing. Finding, Finding Nemo, Nemo. Yeah. 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 In Company Picnic Season 5, before Slum Dunder Mifflinaire, which film I does Holly bonfire, suggest they parody? Back to the Future. That's right. In the seminar, from the future. Season, <laughs> from the future. In <laughs> in the se- <laughs> Terminator. Terminator. Okay. In the seminar, season seven. What DVD does Andy give to Aaron? Shrek two. Correct. Nice. In the same episode, what film does GSL choose to watch? Hostel? Oh, it's a it's a horror no, movie. I'm, but Hostel two? I, no, is it Saw three? I don't even know if this is a real yeah, yeah. movie. Um, but it is called Hardware. Hmm. Oh, okay. I thought it was. He re- like slides it in front of the yeah. other movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> she wants in, to watch Wally. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> in Cafe Disco season five, which film character does Dwight? do an impression of in the conference meeting in cafe oh Disco. oh hannibal lecter no oh, no uh, i'm thinking of the wrong the shining yes all work and no play oh yeah jack. jack yeah that's uh, right yeah. that's right yeah. jack torrance, jack torrance, is the, jack torrance. Yeah, yeah. yes okay yeah is, uh, is the character's name in, i love this trivia this is fun it's really good this is great james yeah. you you knocked it out of the park in gettysburg season eight which films does daryl have to show everyone on the way to and from gettysburg the two source movies. code yes. on the way and yeah. the lincoln lawyer on the way back 
No. No, it's limit, limitless. <laughs> limitless. Limitless. <Yeah>. Limitless. <laughs> Lincoln lawyer. What's that? <laughs> Lincoln lawyer. Where's that come in? Is that Matthew McConaughey? I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. okay. In Pool Party Season 8, what were the last films Robert California watched in his screening room? Two movies. Marley and Me. Yep. <laughs> On golden, on golden fucking pod, right? Isn't yes, that that's says right. Yeah. Yes, that is how nice. he says it. Oh my god! In Michael's birthday, <laughs> we just got a few more here. A few more. In Michael's birthday, season you can go. We can do this forever. Yeah, I know, right? In Michael's yeah. birthday, season two, what does Jim state is Kevin's favorite movie? Sixteen Candles. No. American Pie two. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in season six, uh, episode The Chump, what does Creed say is his favorite James McAvoy film? Oh, I wanted. Yeah. Just curves the bullet, like curves in my favorite, <laughs> favorite James McAvoy film. All right, here you go. This is the bonus question. Bonus. Although the, although the title is never mentioned, what song is Kelly explaining to Michael in Pretzel Day? What song is Kelly explaining to Michael? In Pretzel Day. Uh, and uh, I can't think of the scene. I'll give you a hint. Sure. That um, it comes up again in the show, this, this song. A song she's explaining to Michael. When, what is the context that she... I think, I think they're just waiting in line at Pretzel Day. And she's talking to him, and he's he's not listening. He's doing it's, this it's, thing where he puts his head in his. Oh, uh, man, I, I don't know what is it. All right, Lazy Sunday by the Lonely Island. So oh, actually, Kelly cupcakes. They're talking about cupcakes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Yes. So, oh, so should have thought of that, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which is funny because Kelly actually uh, introduced Michael to that uh, to Lazy Sunday then, so that he could make uh, Lazy Scranton in season mm-hmm. three. Um, James, amazing, amazing James, trivia. Timothy. Thank you. And every, to everyone else out there, um, we love uh, we love listener submitted trivia. So please hit us, hit us with some trivia. Make sure you say it's trivia in the subject so that we we don't all read it ahead of time. Um, we have a couple on deck too, so uh, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you guys, that was a, that was really fun. Thank you so much. Uh, loved talking about uh, talking about the warehouse. Um, please, uh, everybody out there listening, hit us up with your your questions, your comments. Uh, you can give us a call and leave us a message. We have a phone number that's five. If it'll open up here, can't believe you don't have that memorized by now, Sean. Five zero three six nine four nine four nine three one four. I know. I just don't want to mm-hmm. say it wrong. Five zero three six nine four nine three one four. You can email us mspodcastcompany at gmail You can hit us up on Facebook and Instagram, Michael Scott Podcast Company. We're on Twitter at Michael Scott Pod, and we have a website, michaelscottpod.com. Uh, special thanks to Ryan Lloyd who helps us with our social media and designs our artwork. And very special thanks to uh, to the folks who have already joined us on Patreon. Remember, yeah, you can check us Scott's out. Tots. Patreon. Huge shout out to the Tots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Become a Scott's Tot today. Five bucks a month. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Michael Scott. Again, we're going to have monthly members-only mailbag episodes. We, we might even do a trivia special at one point on there. We'll be posting be some YouTube videos on there. Yeah, we've been uh, brainstorming, we've a brainstorming a lot of ideas um, to, uh, to, to do stuff with, with the folks on Patreon. So please hit us up on there. 
Please remember to rate and review the show. It helps us, helps people find the show. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as we, we say it every week, we mean it every time. Uh, thank you. We appreciate and love every single one of you. Um, take care. Be safe. And remember, the real sandwiches was ice cream. The real surprise was ice cream sandwiches. I love you. I'll be your croak, monsieur. I'll be your croak, my dad. Your mama might say that bullfrogs are dumb, but I'm here to tell you that I am a frog. Come and sit on my log, you little pollywog. I find you absolutely riveting. Croak, 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 bullfrog in love. Croak, 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 bullfrog in love. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.